0: I'm Hassani Dotson and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. Morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with Callum Williams. Cal, I'm hoping that Ramon Matanera and Wilfried Mwembe Tarat will pardon my French here. But it is Thursday, the day after Minnesota United clinched their first ever MLS playoff berth with a 2 1 win over Sporting Kansas City, and I am
1: dragging ass. You're what? <laughs> <laughs> I am exhausted. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I feel you there, yes.
0: I. You um, don't know dragon ass is a i, I we debated over whether you can say ASS on a, a podcast. So I'm gonna well, say you can't I,
1: just spell it, you've already said it now, so I mean it is what now it is who's now. The ass. Yeah. um uh
0: anyways, so it means uh tired or knackered, uh I knackered, think is, yes, yes, which yes. we used earlier. So uh Is that an American thing, is it? Dragon Ass. Dragon yeah. ass, yeah.
1: Yes, I think so. Okay. Um get used to it. You can use it. Well, if that's the case, I've been dragging ass all season, but uh, <laughs> hey.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I uh, I may have gotten a little too invested in that game. Um, <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that then. <laughs> it's this... Uh, I Let me back up. I used to be really into sports, <laughs> which is a weird thing to say as someone who I, works in sports, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I used to be a fan like anybody else. I I was a late comer to to sports fandom. Uh, in high school, I started playing guitar, which was sort of the end of me really being involved in sports. And I sort of started focusing on music. I went to college, I studied music. I played intramural soccer in college, but I didn't really follow any professional sports after college. I got into, um, sort of all sports simultaneously. I was like, well, let's see what's going on. So I was sort of a hockey fan and sort of a football fan and a basketball fan. I eventually, and somewhat into soccer, but this was 99, 2000. So MLS was, had been around for a while, but you know, it was not a real force. So, and it was harder to watch EPL and harder to watch, you know, European leagues. So um, I didn't get super into soccer. I got really into basketball and I became a really big Timberwolves fan. And when I first moved to the twin cities in 2004, Um, the Wolves went to all the way to the conference finals. And I watched every one of those games in the playoffs with my friends at the Groveland Tap. I think I've talked about this before. But we were, you know, we were in that, like, superstition. You know, we would say the same things. We would sort of, like, we didn't want to get too excited, but we wanted to, like, you you know, you were paying rapt attention, but you also, you know, you had all these things. You wanted to sit in a certain spot in the bar, you know, all that stuff. And then since I started doing... Working in sports professionally, I feel like I sort of divorced myself most of the time from that particular kind of fandom. I want the team to do well, um, the way that you want your organization to do well. I see those players out there as, you know, like in, in a lot of ways. I mean, their job is very special, but they're co-workers, sure. you know, they're like you want to see the success for the team. Um, but then sometimes in certain situations, it's just the, the the overwhelming feeling of not being able to do anything and watching something that you are incredibly invested in is just becomes overwhelming. And I was standing in the booth. Like we, we have a booth up there and I was sitting for a long time. And then after, um, Ozzy scored the, the, the tying goal, I was standing cause I thought standing would be better, but it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was a little chilly, the window was open. Mm-hmm. So I was starting to get a little of that like vibration of tension. Even now just talking about it, I'm feeling it again. And you know, I got I got I was wiped out at the end of that game, just personally, spiritually, emotionally.
1: <laughs> that's but that's sports though, isn't it? So, yeah. so before I, I go on here, I, I would love to hear because uh, and I want to hear this from as many people as possible, so please tweet me at calwilliams.com because I really want to hear uh, everybody's stories, uh, where they were, what they were doing, how they reacted to that Hassani Dotson goal. So, Steve, you were in the 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 journalism booth, shall yeah, say, the digital media booth, uh, and and uh, you were with several of of uh, our co-workers. Yes. Um, how was it? What was the reaction like? What did you feel when the ball hit the net? I I blacked out. <laughs> I.
0: I try to maintain decorum and professionalism as much as possible, as much of the time as possible. When amazing things happen in games, um, I, my go-to will just be kind of to sit and, you know, just kind of exhale and be like, Man, that, was, that was crazy, right? I, I mean, I was standing up. I definitely yelled very loudly. <laughs> Some people were, sh- were, were, were shaken by other people. Um, there There's maybe glass was pounded on um, <laughs> around us. Uh, it was a real moment of catharsis. I mean, yeah. I gotta own it. You know, like, I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> 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 I lost it. And then I pulled it back in. I gave, my, I gave myself like 30 seconds. Yeah. And then I was like, we still got to f- finish the game. And then I tried to return to my myself a mm-hmm. little bit, you know, uh, so that was, that was my story. <laughs>
1: It, it's interesting, isn't it? Because as you say, we, we as sports professionals have to maintain an element of professionalism, um, regardless if, if we're working for the club, uh, or not in, in some cases, you know, sometimes I, I try and remain quite professional if I go back home and, and watch a premier league game or whatever, you know? Sure. Um, and, um, it's interesting. I I had a couple of nice messages this morning from a few, um, fellow broadcasters about my, my commentary, which is very nice. And, and thank you all for the lovely messages. Um, and, uh, one text came from uh, somebody who i i very much admire and um um the exceptional commentator in world football um and um i i i agree completely with what he said to me that you know on a national broadcast on a on a, a bigger um you know a bigger scale a bigger network as a commentator you would you would be a little more subdued you would be um you would be professional you you would toe that line um, whilst showing an element of, of uh, emotion and excitement, but ultimately professional it's different when you're working for a club mm-hmm. because like you and I, we are in and around the office every day in and around at the training center almost every day um and you do you 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 do become very very attached. And and it's hard not to. I, I try and keep somewhat of a distance from the players because yeah. you want to be able to criticise without thinking, oh, I'm criticising my mate here. You, know, sure. you, you want to remain, um, you know, a, a stone's throw away is probably the best way to, to describe the distance you want to, to have, but um, but it's difficult. Um, and, you know, when, when Hassani scored that, I, I do remember... Uh, screaming Dotson's name. Mm-hmm. And we listened and, to it several times. Yeah. In the movie. <laughs> Apologies. It was incredible. And I put the I microphone, wish I, I didn't know how
0: cute it up here, but
1: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I put the microphone down and I remember just doing a big, I <sighs> yeah. just thinking, right, this is an unbelievable moment right now. You know, this is incredible. And you see the stadium going wild. And, um, our commentary booth, we have a load of, um, uh, very important people who sit in front of us, a couple of the owners and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. um, they were just going absolutely berserk, you know, just going bonkers. And, and uh, it just, again, it just dawned on me on, on how lucky we are to to have um, this. Uh, and I say this meaning Allianz Field and the supporters groups and um, the quality of football that we have now. Um, there's people that have waited for decades for, for this. And here we are living in it right now, you know. Yeah. and 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 I can't stress enough, that moment, from Wednesday evening, when Hassani hit the back of the net, um, there's going to be people that talk about that moment for years now. Yeah, and and look, there will be other days and other evenings where Minnesota clinch the playoffs again, no doubt. Yeah, uh, in the future, but this is the first one. Yeah, and the old saying is, "You always remember your first, don't yeah, you?" Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't I don't right. I don't foresee. A moment ever being remembered as well as that unless minnesota go on and and hoist mls cup or something this year you know so uh very very special moments and um i I would encourage people to to remember it and and relive it as many times as you can for sure yeah there are two more games to go um there is the playoffs
0: to go you know Mm. Um, obviously getting to the playoffs is a huge achievement uh, as as Adrian Heath said last night, it's it's not just the it's not the only achievement they want. They they want to get that position. They want that home field advantage. Even with that home field advantage, they could lose. They could <laughs> lose in the first round. You know, they, there's there's all kinds of things that that happen. There will be disappointments and there will be other victories. But there, it was one of those pure moments of, and it was, and like you said, that so that sort of distance when it's when it was Hassani, you know, and just what he's done to think about and we've said it before on this podcast to think about him being drafted and me going, I don't know if I'll even meet, meet this guy. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, he's a second round draft pick, second round draft picks in the MLS. Don't, I just said the MLS. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it's almost three years guys. Um, So in, in MLS, you know, second round draft picks, not known for paying out, you know, um, and oh my God, he's paid out. Like, <laughs> just uh, yeah. four goals, three bangers. I'll count the fourth as a banger because of what it <laughs> meant, you know? I, I just, it's just incredible to see it, and he remains such a great guy. Um, You know, I, I saw him today and asked him about his knees because of that slide, and he was mm-hmm. like, they are burning <laughs> and, uh, and we were saying it's better than, than, than Ethan's. He was like, Oh, I, I watched Ethan's. I wasn't going to do that. Like I, I was they practicing knee slides for celebrations, but you know, it just, it, it was, it was a tremendous moment and it's, it's going to go down as, as one of those, those, those historic moments. I think for a lot of the other ones this season, the first game at Allianz field, Ozzy's first goal, which was also incredible. And then Ozzy contributing again here yes. at the, at the end of the season. Um, Those were terrific moments, but, for those, I definitely felt a certain a, a distance. I could sort of comprehend it. This was an uncomprehending, just pure reaction of joy, and I couldn't sleep last night, which is why you know it's like I got home and I couldn't wind down
1: from it at all. So. Oh, I know. I, I I couldn't sleep. I had to, I just had to go to the bar. I mean, I, yeah. You, know? you may as well, You're in your pajamas, <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Let's talk about the game a little bit. Okay, let's go back to the actual game. Let's. First of all, that was an ugly first half. <laughs>
1: Yes, it wasn't the prettiest Minnesota United we've seen.
0: No, and 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 Adrian said this. He said it's not, you know, in this press conference, it's not always about how good you look playing football. Sometimes it's about rolling up your sleeves and getting in there and getting mm. dirty, and that's kind of what it was. Um, let's say, also, uh, Botan Barath's goal was an egregious handball.
1: Yeah. yeah. It, it's Yeah, um, I, I do wonder, and look, obviously it doesn't matter now, but I, I do wonder why the officials didn't go and review. Why didn't they feel the need to go and, and just have a look at it? Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah, it's, I, I just wanted to bring it up just to say again, which we said before, before, if, if VAR is going to be a thing, they have to figure it out. It's yep. not working right now. Um, it works sometimes. Um, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it just seems like there's, it's the consistency to me. It's just this question of when does something get looked at and when does it not get looked at? There's things that I'm like, that's not worth a look. And then they'd spend a whole bunch of time. They break up the momentum of a game And then it comes back as it was. I'm like, okay, great, I guess. Then there's things that really need to be looked at, and they don't. And, I mean, I understand it's going to take time, but it just seems like the guidelines are very left to whoever happens to be around and whoever is doing that job. And there's not consistency among all those people about how to do that job. And I just think that has to be sorted out.
1: It does. um, Any other job where you don't do your job properly, you, you, you know, on the verge of being fired, aren't you? So, um, <laughs> yeah, There's got by no means am I calling for VAR officials to be fired there, but there's there's got to be some repercussions. There's got to be uh, some accountability more than anything, you know, yeah. because it's just not working right now. How on earth, with MLS doing VAR for as long as they have now, how on earth, when some leagues like the Premier League and some leagues like the Bundesliga have only been doing it for as short a time as they have, how are they getting it so right and MLS isn't? That's a massive issue for me. Yeah, and things like goal line technology, which has come up a
0: couple of times with the mm. balls that seem to be, where, where you're like, we have VAR because we value getting it right, but we don't have goal line technology because, I mean, that would be an obvious thing to do, that <laughs> they would just paint things black and white, but we don't do that. And they have camera angles from inside the goal that, you know, I don't know if officials aren't getting them or something like that, or it's going slow, but I feel like people on Twitter are getting out alternate angles of goals fast enough that they should have them (laughs) at this point. So, all right, let's put that one to bed. Let's talk about some good things. Vino Manone's back-to-back saves on Graham Zusi and Gianluca Busio. Let's just, let's just talk about that for a moment. It was, it was, it was terrific. Again, a tremendous first save. The second, the second save, the reaction save as he gets set again and the ball comes in off Busio and he literally hits it up like a volleyball, you know, it's, it's yes. not like it hit his hand and went out. It's like, if he had not moved his hand up at that point, it was going in and he knocks it like out of bounds, crazy far away. It just, uh, again, just Vito has been tremendous. And I think, again, putting himself firmly in that conversation for goalkeeper of the year at this yes. point, especially with these last couple of performances.
1: Yeah, his, his form has been riveting, hasn't it? And, and that second save, as you mentioned, he just flung a paw up in the air, didn't he? And so fun. And just hit, uh, hit the ball, which was great. Um, you know, the first save, it's at a nice height for him. It's a good save because he has to stretch, but I'll be disappointed if he didn't make the save. Right. But the second save is spectacular. And when you put the two together, it's fabulous. It really, really is. and. Uh, um yeah, look, 11 clean sheets, um, 11 saves in a single game in Portland. I think it was seven saves against Kansas City on Wednesday evening. He has to be in the discussion for goalkeeper of the year. It's as simple as that. Look, there have been some good goalkeepers this year, no doubt. I think Andre Blake has been good for the union um, this year. I think, I think he'll be in the conversation um, amongst a couple of others. And, and, look, I think Major League Soccer may very well go for the sentimental Vote and, and go for Nick Romando with him retiring at the end of the sure. season, which, by the way, isn't isn't necessarily bad because he has got nine shutouts this season. He's having a very good year, yeah. considering his his past uh, three or four years, or um, well, two or three years rather, I guess. But um, yeah, Vito I Miloni mean, for me right now, with the form that he's in, is probably the standout nominee for for goalkeeper of the year. Um yeah. and and it's just um, it it it's just evidence of of how far Minnesota United have come and, and what a great season they're having, having people that are being considered for being the best of the best in Major League Soccer. I still think, and kindred St. Aubin mentioned this um, early today, and I completely agree. I wonder at some stage if anybody's going to start talking about Roma Metinier being considered for MLS Defender of the Year as well, because yeah. he's been spectacular. Ozzy Alonso said in an interview during the week, that he's the best right back he's ever seen in Major League Soccer. Yeah. He's been great and and he his recovery speed allows him to go forward when he needs to and, and sometimes even when he doesn't, um, he offers a, an option for Minnesota United that they probably wouldn't have uh, and they certainly didn't have in previous years. Um, so, look, I mean, um, as much of a fan of, of Jérôme Tisson as I was. Um, oh, I, we love I, Jerry. A fabulous human being and a good footballer and I'm pleased he's doing well in Switzerland. Um, but, Roma Metinier has has elevated that position multiple multiple levels.
0: Yeah, I was I wanted to bring that up because you know I think Ike Ike Opara obviously is in the discussion for Defender of the Year, if yes. not the front runner right now, and well deserved for him. Um, in terms of, I think not just what he does on the field, but what he has done for the defensive culture of the team overall. Um, it, I think if Metinier hadn't been away for the the African um the the African Cup of Nations. Cup of Nations, yeah. right. I was like struggling for the World cup. Uh, I, I'm
1: it's, it's been a couple of days. <laughs> I know. So, <laughs>
0: um, so if he had not been away for the African Cup of Nations, I think he might have it on lock at That's this point. That's a good point. point. Because, yeah. because he was missing for a while, and then it took him a while to get back to sort of full form. I think it's just in the last like three weeks that he's looked like his old self. And... Man, did he look like his old self with that tackle to clear out uh, Gerso Fernandez's attack oh, yes. after he'd beaten Vito? And then Vito picking him up by the jersey was a fantastic. He was just like, <laughs> like, Metnir ended up right in front of him, facing him, he just like scooped him up by the jersey. But that was, a, that was, that's the stuff I love to see from Romant, And he's, He's still one of my, you know, he was my early sentimental favorite um, uh, on the team. I think Hassani might be taking over hearts and minds right now. But, um, but Roman and his role has been tremendous. And I I think, you know, obviously the balloting is already open. I don't know if Roman is on that ballot, but, um, but man, he, he, he's making a case for himself. And certainly next season provided he's back and the things are, I mean, he's, I, I can't imagine why you, he wouldn't be back.
1: No, so. no. I, I did notice several times actually over the course of this season your, your eyes just fluttering with joy uh once uh, Romain Roma would, would walk past and you would rest your, your hand on your on your uh you would rest your head on your hand rather. Yeah. Uh, I mean he's just French. blink, you know, what a yeah. Catch.
0: yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> Does that do it for you, a French accent? Is that I mean, it's nice. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a deal breaker, you know? Okay, so the British accent isn't too bad. Oh, no, okay. do right, all right, all right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Hassani's goal specifically, not just emotionally, but um, because I was, when the lineups came out, I was somewhat agog at Elias Sanchez, one of our favorites. Hold up. Uh, getting the start at center back mm. instead of holding midfield. Um, but as they started playing... I could see some of the sense in it to put an excellent long passer in the back when your plan is to bunker and then play forward. Sure. Um, And I think that it it paid off for them in a lot of ways early on with that counterattack.
1: Yeah, they were quite direct, not as direct as I think you would have originally thought with him playing at center half because Felipe Gutierrez was playing much deeper than he usually does as well, which gave Sanchez and Barath a short option almost every time they had the ball at feet. Um, And that allowed Zussi to to go forward and and, um, uh, Martins on the left-hand side as well. So um, I I thought despite their frailties, Kansas City looked very good, particularly in the opening 45 minutes. They they looked like their old selves again. They were playing the ball around quite well, um, very quickly as well. Um, But for Minnesota United, um, it it wasn't quick enough at all in transition. And my biggest issue um, in the first half was the two centre-halves for Minnesota. They weren't playing the ball out quick enough yeah. to either Molino or Robin Lurd who tuck inside. They weren't getting the ball to them quick enough and if they couldn't get it to either of those, play it to either Gregos who was dropped deeper or Alonso who naturally drops deeper anyway um, when the ball is deeper down the field with the centre-back. So, um, I, I thought there was um, a, a real element of frustration and, and a distinct lack of cohesion between Minnesota United's players uh, on on the, the first half on Wednesday evening. Um, they looked jaded, they looked borderline exhausted really didn't they and they didn't yeah. seem to be up for it at all and I um I did hear this morning actually from from one or two individuals I guess Adrian Heath's half-time speech was magnificent and I I hear that it was all about you individually doing this for your family your children the people you love and, and all this kind of stuff you know and um I guess that obviously got to a lot of the players and 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 it seemed to work in the second half because they came out a lot sharper.
0: Yeah. Um to, the, the the to finish the kn- I was going to talk about Hassani's goal and and Eli Sanchez and I was going to say um it, it was though at, at at the death there Sanchez's failure to stop Hassani going through the box that opened up that gap for Hassani to get that goal. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that you know, you pick your point you're like okay, well we don't have a center back, you know, Beisler is suspended this is what we do. It gives us some options. You know, you've got a center back who can really pass in Sanchez, obviously, but then you saw he didn't quite step to Hassani and that gave enough space for Hassani to get that ball in, which I, yeah. it also went off Barath. So, you know, um, not his hand this time, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that has to be said, I think that to and then to transition to what you're talking about with, with the center backs, they, they Boxy and Opara had the ball an awful lot in the first, yes, half, they did, yeah. um, which it, they were, it seemed They were frustrated with getting the ball through that midfield. Um, I will be the first to admit shifting to a four, three, three really worked after I pooped (laughs) on it (laughs) like not two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously that gives you that extra midfielder and you're countering a four, three, three with a four, three, three now. And I think that that was one of the, they ended up a lot. Everything was around the edges in the first half. You know, it was like, they couldn't go get through that that midfield. So things were, when they went, there was like, they were, they were changing field to go across to chase or something like that. But it was, it was all around the edges. And then the four, three, three, did that just work because it lined up the midfielders better? Man and you're you yeah. beating everybody one-on-one at that point.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's man-to-man basically then Steve. And, and it gives you, uh, it gives you a chance to, to match up with the opponent, but also the opponent then has to match up with you as well. So, um, you know, when, when Minnesota had, uh, the duo of Alonso um, and Gregor's in the centre. Uh, great, no problem at all. But as I said earlier on, what happened uh, far too often was Gutierrez would drop deep, uh, a lot of the time unchallenged. By the time he's got the ball at feet and Gregush has stepped, well, now you've got Busio or Espinosa, who's completely free, and then they can spray it out wide and, and what have you. So yeah. Busio's um, fast. He, he's very good. At, for a 17-year-old, <laughs> yeah. um, who, who signed pro when he was 15, by the way, I've I, kept in touch with a few people in Kansas City over the years, and they have said that, that he's the real deal. They mm-hmm. think he could be the next sort of Tyler Adams-esque player, which, which, by the way, a hot take here. Um, Great. So hot right now. <laughs> I got it. I, I am going to throw this out here right now, and I, and I may very well be riding a high, and if that is the case, then so be it. I have now seen enough of Fasani Dotson, to suggest to me that I think he can be a part of the U.S. national team moving forward, not not right. right now, but right. in the future. I like the hot in, take. in a couple of years. I like it. And that will undoubtedly draw attention from elsewhere. So it wouldn't surprise me if in a couple of years we see Hassani Dotson make a similar move to Tyler Adams. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not um, wanting him to, to be sold or, or, or leave Minnesota United, of course, because he's fabulous and we love him, but... Um, I just think he has enough about him. Right. There's a real player in there somewhere, Stephen. Uh, yeah. Somewhere, Stephen. And I think for someone who, who is only 22, which, which I say only 22, that's young in American soccer, but for world soccer, you, you need to be playing. Um, and I I just think that in the next couple of years, if he carries on on this trajectory and carries on staying after practice and learning from Ozzy Alonso and, and learning how to strike the ball with Jan Grigus and whatnot and working with Ian Fuller on on various techniques and whatnot in, in the central uh, of midfield. Um, there's a real player in there, Steve, and I, yeah. I'm really excited to see the next couple of years for Hassani Dotson.
0: Yeah, and it should be stated that this is the state
1: of soccer fandom.
0: Like this is, <laughs> it, It's different than a lot of other sports um, and, You know, from where we are in MLS right now. Um, you should enjoy the players you have and get what you can out of them and understand that the next move might be away from your team and understand that that is a benefit to your team, ultimately when that kind of stuff happens, especially with things that are going on now with – you know, they're changing rules about money coming back to teams that 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 sort of cultivate guys. Right? Good, so so that's good. Um, Let's move on to our recurring segment, the road to the playoffs. I feel like I need like a squealing car tire. Like, <laughs> anyways, um, and <laughs> maybe next time. Uh, the work still to be done. Yes. Minnesota United has 52 points and sole possession of second place. If I'm going to go over some scenarios here, if the LA Galaxy beat the visiting Whitecaps and Minnesota United draws or loses to LAFC, then the Galaxy will go into second place, which is Mm -hmm. crazy to me, (laughs) based on their play recently, uh, just prior to this little streak. Uh, If Minnesota United wins over visiting LAFC, the Galaxy can't catch Minnesota United this week. If the Sounders beat San Jose on the road and Minnesota United draws, then we'll be tied for second, just on points. I'm not looking at tiebreakers right now. Mm -hmm. If Minnesota United loses, the Sounders will go over them. So basically, if MNUFC lose to LAFC at home, they could drop as low as fourth, but no lower RSL beating Houston would give them 50. So that's two fewer. Okay. That's the state of affairs as we sit right now. So we're ending the the, the weeks either in second or fourth um, or third, somewhere between <laughs> us two. So <laughs> just like every week, um, let's talk about the games coming up LAFC this weekend, Seattle, next weekend, yes. it's going to be difficult to get anything in Seattle on the road, I yes. think in the final game of the season. A point would be amazing. Oh my word, wouldn't it just? Um the open question then becomes LAFC have clinched the supporter shield. They won the supporter shield last night. They have home field advantage all through the playoffs. Um Vela has a two-goal lead on Zlatan for the golden boot. Do we see Vela on Sunday?
1: Absolutely we do. Okay.
0: Well, I guess that answers my question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, he, do you he... do you think other do you think that LAFC will in in, in any way will we see maybe not an entirely first choice starting 11 given clinching home field? Like, do you think there's any guys where they're thinking maybe not naming names, but just like a guy who needs a little break before the playoffs start?
1: Possibly Steve. But the, the thing is there is that LAFC is so deep. It probably doesn't matter uh, unless it's anybody from the front three that they're thinking of dropping. But sure. um, I, I would, um, because it's a road game as well. And because, Bob is perhaps the most stubborn human being in the world. <laughs> um, he probably will want to uh, will want to to get one over Minnesota United and, and beat them at their place having lost to to Minnesota at his place sure. so um, they're obviously going for the the record in, in points as well which bob would would love to have um, bob isn 't just satisfied with the supporters shield he wants to completely dominate that 's just his nature and, mm-hmm. and what he is um, and look he he will he will um, he'll play Carlos Vela and he will say to him, "You go and get that record because he's only one behind tying it now from uh, Joseph Martinez. is thirty one, Right. Um, and in two games, um, you know they they obviously are away at uh, Minnesota and then they host Colorado. You would fancy Carlos Vela, and I say that with all due respect to, to the opponents. You would you would expect him to to break that record, and um, particularly at home to Colorado. Um, so, um, but with that in mind, I, I still think he will. I still think he'll play as strong as he can possibly be. Um, I still think we see Segura and Zimmerman at centre-half. Um, I still think it's Miller and goal. Um, I think it'll be Attawesta and Kay and oh, maybe Lee Wynn in the centre-of-midfields. Uh, Rodriguez, uh, Rossi and Vela up top. I I just... I, I think going into the playoffs, and I know they have a bye week in between, but I... I still think going into the playoffs with as much momentum as you can possibly have is never a bad thing in this league. Sure.
0: Now, Vela has not quite been Vela playing in, as a center forward. He's been, you know, with 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 Diamande off the team, yes. leaving the team right now. Um, he's been moved in from his right wing position where he was completely dominant and has not looked quite as Vela-ish <laughs> as a center forward. Mm. Um, do you think that, I mean, obviously, he's a capable footballer anywhere you put him. Um, do you think that he is going to adjust and be as dangerous? Is he, is he? Is there a is there a moment where this clicks and he's and he's back to his old ways, or is there something fundamentally like? I mean, they could they're still very good no matter what. Yeah, but he's just a, a notch down from the completely dominating force he was in the right wing.
1: So, so for two reasons for that, Steve is obviously um, he doesn't get as much of the ball, um, and he's not allowed as much freedom. Um, LAFC defend from the front, like a lot of modern-day teams do now. Um, And uh, there's a lot more expected of him. Um, He's not given the freedom, as I say, that that he is when he's he's playing, and I say in inverted commas, out wide, um, because he's essentially given a free role when he's uh, playing in his regular position, cutting in from the right-hand side. And um, he is stupendously effective in that role. If I was Bob Bradley now, I would actually play Diego Rossi in the centre-forward role. Um, who has been wonderful out on the left-hand side. He's been great. and Mm -hmm. 16 goals this season from the left-hand side uh, is is absolutely magnificent. But I think he's probably more suited to a centre-forward role than Carlos Vela is. Plus, I think Vela, as I've just insinuated, is much more effective just behind um, in the the free role, if you will, um, behind the centre-forward. So, um, (laughs) look, I mean, Vela is still dangerous as a centre-forward no doubt, if he can get in behind. Um, yeah. And he's one of these players that even if he plays in front of the back line, he's struck in the ball from 30 yards before and found the back of the net, you know. and um, he, He's a handful. Um, he, he is, uh, for me, probably the best player in the league right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Minnesota are going to have to be at their best to, to stop him. They really, really are. Um, but I, to answer your question, Steve, I, I still think Bob will play him as a centre-forwards. Uh, simply because they obviously beat Houston Dynamo. Vela did well, did okay against the Dynamo as a center forward, obviously scored from the penalty spot. Um, And he caused enough issues because of his movement off the ball to allow the other players behind him, in and around him, to to be effective as they need to be. So I still think we see him as a center forward. But if I was in charge, I'd put Diego Rossi at center forward for sure.
0: It'll be something to watch, even if he doesn't start at center forward, you know, like how those roles interchange. Like it's possible you see Rossi going inside more. Um, so, you know, that, that could also cause problems, you know, as guys switch around on the field and things like that. So, and again, you, if your worst problem is like, can we get Vela up to record setting Vela? <laughs> you're, you're doing fine. Uh, so speak of it from Minnesota's perspective, as, as Adrian uh, alluded to last night, you know, LAFC are the presumptive favorites for, for, for the cup right now. Um, Although their form has been a little weaker recently, but um, Minnesota United has beaten them two out of three times so far in MLS. And he said, why not go beat them three out of four in Los Angeles? Minnesota's success really came in the three, five, two, and this um, playing without the ball against a team. That's very aggressive. uh, And especially at home, do you expect that same kind of tactic would work? in Allianz field against LAFC, or are we going to see the four, two, three, one, and we're going to go out there and I'm going to put out my best lineup. You're going to put out your best lineup, We'll see how they, how they match up.
1: I think that sort of, um, formation would work at home. Um, but knowing, knowing Adrian, like I do, he's going to want to be on the front foot and he's going to want to play. Um, he's not going to be satisfied with just sitting back and, and withstanding pressure for 90 minutes. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we see a four-three-three. Um, the buddy. old
0: four-three-three. <laughs> see how it
1: works this time. But it also <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if it does remain four-two-three-one. I, I it, again, if if it was me in charge, I don't think I would play Ozzy Alonso in this game. I'd give him a rest and, and sure. have him ready for the Sounders game um, next, yeah. next weekend. Yeah,
0: some of those guys, I mean, you know, in that first half, obviously, I, you know, Adrian wanted to ascribe it not to so much to a lack of energy as, as a lack of focus, but whatever you want to call it, um, some guys could use with a little time.
1: I think so. And, and look, as I said, I, I would go with um, – the combination of Olam, Gregush, and uh, Dotson in the central midfield. Yeah. Um, the two wide players with the centre forward then. And then, obviously, Mwimbe Terad, I'm assuming, will come in for Chase Gasper, who's suspended. Um, I just think, and the reason why I say the four-three-three is because I think he'll want to match up with the three central midfielders for LAFC as well. Because sure. Atuesta and Win are sensational. Um, Atuesta scored a, a great goal against Houston Dynamo uh, on Wednesday evening, and... Um, uh, for me he doesn't get anywhere near the attention he deserves um for laFC mm-hmm. um so i yeah as I say four three three I could certainly see that um and uh, a lot of that um is down to what the front three can do and particularly the center forward I, I wonder because look I don't think Mason's been great over the course of the last couple of weeks um i look and angelo Angelo Rodriguez right now is a real conundrum because he obviously doesn't run enough to get in behind he holds the ball up well but I don't think he works in a four three three well enough because you can't right <laughs> if you've got if you've got the four two three one you've got the 10 to play off of but in a 4 three three not so much right um, you've got to really ask a lot of whoever's in the eight roll or the eight and a half roll to to really press and be involved in the attack. And, and, we,
0: and we pointed out that Gregouche in that eight role doesn't get as far forward as we necessarily, generally no. speaking, so you're asking him to then...
1: Yeah, and look, Jan, Jan doesn't get as, as far forward as I would expect, and I would want a number eight too, but there are other aspects of his game that have been flawless this yeah, year. His absolutely. passing range is unbelievable. Yeah, no, he's
0: he's been terrific this season. I think he should be... I mean, I've seen a couple of calls for him to be in the best 11. If you're thinking about a, a team that would actually play, um, you know... <laughs> I think, that's, I think that's a, a bit much, but. <laughs> I, I think Jan's been great. I we But we've just talked about the fact that like his natural tendency, it seems, is to be more deep line than a true number eight necessarily would be. So if yes. you're going to go ask, you know, if you're middle, if you're midfield, if you have Ozzy resting and it's Olam and Dotson and, and Gregush, you would expect Gregush to be the one to go forward to play that sort of that playmaker role if you're asking Angelo Rodriguez to play the hold-up mm-hmm. role. And that, so that you're asking, that that's a little tough. Like, it doesn't necessarily fit.
1: It is, but I would actually swap. I, I would have Grigus being a little deeper and have Dotson yeah. do do that role because sure. he's, he's full of energy. You yeah. really, every time he's come off the bench, he's been so enthusiastic. Every yeah. time he started, he's been full of energy. So I, I'd have him in that role. But but look, yeah. Rodriguez, um, I, I just... Uh, we, we have said this on this podcast before. I, I never expected him to be a 15-20 goal a season center forward. Right. He's just not that kind of, of center forwards. He's a, the center forward that brings everybody else into play. Um, I'm just not sure he's been as effective as people were hoping. Um, and uh, I, I don't think he moves the ball quick enough. I don't think he gets into space quick enough either. So um, I wonder if Abu Dunladi may get a chance against LAFC.
0: Yeah, I mean, Abu you know, Abu still has some of the shortcomings that we see a lot. His, his first touch is, is loose. Um, some of his impulses, as far as running in, he's a little too eager. Sometimes you see him getting caught offside still, but he played well overall. I mean, he always contributed that assist his, his sort of rounding on the ball to fire in a shot was aggressive. And mm-hmm. you like to see that when he got the ball sort of in and around the six yard box. Um, so it's not, a, it's not a bad shout. I, I, I feel like with Angelo, you also have to wonder about match fitness at this point, given yes. that he has not played and he isn't, you know, he's not going down to Madison or anything like that. So um yeah, there, there's some interesting jigsaw issues that come in, you know, especially including Chase Gasper being suspended, which we talked about because like I looked at that where we talked about, oh, I don't expect to see the three five two. And then I'm like, well, Moumbe Tarot's coming in and he's more wing back than straight up fullback. So maybe he could play in that role. It's like, but then you don't really have three center backs because Brent Coleman is not available. And I don't know if you want to throw Wyatt Amensburg in the middle of, you know, or into a three center back lineup right now. So you sort of have these, you know, you move one thing, one place, something else changes or another oh, yeah. place. You're like, you bring in Angelo, but then you don't necessarily have that playmaker. So do you change how you're going to play your midfield? And then pretty soon you've changed eight things mm. and there's not that consistency. So yeah, it's, uh, there's a couple, there's a couple naughty problems for, for, for Adrian to thread here.
1: Yeah. I'm intrigued to see what he does against LAFC. Um, and as you say, as well, it's a game that Minnesota United could really do with winning um, or at least getting something from um, to help with seeding uh, because obviously Minnesota want to finish as high as they possibly can. Um, and uh, you know, uh, I, I think um, <laughs> I personally think now, Steve, it will take a lot. I, I know RSL have got uh, Houston and Vancouver in their last two games um, you would fancy them to pick up at least four points there. But that wouldn't be enough for them to to overturn Minnesota United in terms of points. So I think it's a big ask now for them to, um, to get anywhere near what Minnesota United have. Um, so for me, I think we're okay. I think, I think the home playoff um, game will, will be confirmed. Um, we're just going to have to wait for it to be officially confirmed.
0: Yeah, I mean, a home playoff game. I can't even I can't even
1: conceive of it yet. We we thought that Wednesday was an atmosphere, you know, my word. Yeah. That'd be, it would be it would be insane. It would be uh, an unbelievable moment to be a part of again and
0: um, I'm getting all butterfly again just yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm still not quite I'm I'm sleep deprived and <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's it's going great guys. Uh thanks for joining us for the 75th Sound of the Loon's podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Sunday, September 29th against LAFC in the Minnesota United Fan Appreciation Game presented by Element Electronics. Lots of fun stuff that day before kickoff, so get there early. That game uh, kickoff is at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on FS1. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and be sure to tell him your favorite, your memories of the moment when Hassani Dotson scored a goal. Yes, do. Tweet me, yes. Yes. And me, at Steve Ventures. please let me know what your favorite appetizers are. Okay, um, there we go. Yeah, favorite, cool. fried or otherwise. Uh, apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.